After about two weeks, I started experiencing a splitting headache. And it was so bad that it was waking me up at night. I couldn't sleep through it. And I don't usually get headaches, so that was unusual. But, you know, I just had a baby. I was breastfeeding, which means it's really easy to get very severely dehydrated when you're breastfeeding around the clock. And, you know, I wasn't getting much sleep because I was waking up through the night to feed the baby. And so I just figured I need to drink more water and eat more protein, have a good breakfast and rest more, you know, just take it easy. I just had a baby. I suddenly started having little episodes where it would seem like the world was spinning. And I was like, wow, I should probably talk to my doctor. I must be really dehydrated, but I feel like I'm drinking plenty of water. I feel like I'm resting as much as I can, you know, but I, I had two older kids to take care of as well as the new baby. And my husband had gone back to work. My mom had gone back home from coming out to help us. So I just had all these excuses in my head or all these reasons to explain away the symptoms. He gave me some exercises to do and he said, do these. And if your symptoms don't improve or if they get worse, you should go to the ER right away because that means your symptoms are not physiological, they're neurological. And I said to the doctor, I was joking. I told him jokingly, neurological, you mean like a stroke? And he looked back at me with a serious face, not joking, and said, yes. I realized that only one side of my body wasn't cooperating properly. Um, my left side wasn't cooperating the way I would expect it to, but my right side seemed to be fine. And my dad has had a stroke before, so I'm aware of the problem with stroke. And so by the time we got to the car, I told my husband, I think we need to prepare ourselves for the worst. I think I'm having a stroke. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and this is Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Pregnancy can bring an increased risk of stroke. The period immediately after delivery is the time of highest stroke risk. During this time, there's an increased chance of blood clots, which can lead to clots in the veins of the brain. In this episode, we hear from Gloria Morgan from Texas, who suffered a stroke at the age of 35. I was a busy stay-at-home mom, and in terms of activities, I was, you know, at home with my kids. But in terms of personality, I'm a very, I'm an extrovert. I'm a very outgoing and active person. But when I say active, I don't mean like hiking and outdoorsy type of active. I mean, people kind of active, like coffee shops, taking my kids to the park, going to stores, visiting friends, setting up play dates. I, I went somewhere every single day with my kids just about. So that's a part of my life that changed dramatically as a result of the stroke since I'm no longer able to drive. If I wasn't leaving the house and going somewhere to meet up with friends, either for my kids or for myself. I was at home baking, cooking. I love to cook. Cooking is my thing. What happened was I actually started experiencing symptoms, a splitting headache, like a week before everything kind of happened. We had the baby. Everything was great. Everything was perfect. 
he was our third and we thought we'd always planned on having three kids. So we thought this is it for us. We're done. Our family's complete. Everything's perfect. We were happy. Everything was wonderful for 24 perfect days. And then after about two weeks, I started experiencing a splitting headache and it was so bad that it was waking me up at night. I couldn't sleep through it. And I don't usually get headaches. So that was unusual, but you know, I just had a baby. I was breastfeeding, which means it's really easy to get very severely dehydrated when you're breastfeeding around the clock. And, you know, I wasn't getting much sleep because I was waking up through the night to feed the baby. And so I just figured I need to drink more water and eat more protein, have a good breakfast and rest more, you know, just take it easy. I just had a baby. So I didn't really think about it too much, but this headache just kept like, it would go away, but then it would come back and it was a terrible, terrible headache. And this went on for about a week. I suddenly started having little episodes where it would seem like the world was spinning. And I was like, wow, I should probably talk to my doctor. I must be really dehydrated, but I feel like I'm drinking plenty of water. I feel like I'm resting as much as I can, you know, but I I had two older kids to take care of as well as the new baby. And my husband had gone back to work. My mom had gone back home from coming out to help us. So I just had all these excuses in my head or all these reasons to explain away the symptoms. The first red flag, like, okay, this is not normal is I all of a sudden had an episode where I had double vision, like the whole world just split into two and started waving around like I was swimming underwater. And it felt like the whole world was spinning. And I was like, okay, that's not dehydration. Or if it is, it's really bad. So at that point, I called my doctor and they wanted me to talk to my regular doctor to see if it was a problem in my inner ear. So she took a look at me. And that day when she saw me, she didn't see anything concerning, but she wanted me to see an ENT just to be sure. So she sent me to an ENT straight from her office. The ENT took a look at me and asked me lots of questions. And this is the part that on reflection kind of freaks me out. He gave me some exercises to do. And he said, do these. And if your symptoms don't improve or if they get worse, you should go to the ER right away because that means your symptoms are not physiological, they're neurological. And I said to the doctor, I was joking. I told him jokingly, neurological, you mean like a stroke? And he looked back at me with a serious face, not joking and said, yes. And I just thought, you know, that's crazy. That would never happen to me. I'm fairly active. I liked running. I didn't run regularly, but I enjoyed exercise. I enjoyed working out. I was very active with my kids. I, you know, watch all my numbers. I I just, it never occurred to me that the worst thing ever could actually happen. You know, it's that thing that's like, it would happen to somebody else. It would never happen to me. So that was July 12th, went home. And by that time I was like having to hold on to the walls to walk because I just felt really dizzy, like vertigo. So the ENT and all my doctors at that point thought I was experiencing 
a totally benign positional vertigo. Basically, you just dizzy because of displaced calcium crystals in your inner ear and you just do these exercises where you turn your head in different directions to get them out of your inner ear. So I thought, yeah, that totally explains it. That's exactly what's going on because it wouldn't be anything more serious than that. It just wouldn't. So I went home on July 12th, woke up on July 13th, which again, I don't want to freak anybody out, but it was a Friday. I woke up that morning and I dutifully took care of all the kids, fed everybody and did those exercises that the doctor told me to. And I was still feeling kind of, you know, woozy, dizzy, vertigo-like symptoms. So I did the exercises where I turned my head this way and that and had different angles, then went to go get myself something to eat. And maybe 15 or 20 minutes later, all of a sudden I had a violent attack of nausea and I threw up everything that I'd eaten that morning and until I was like dry heaving over the toilet, just like I couldn't stop throwing up even though my stomach was completely empty. And the world all of a sudden went double and all of a sudden it was like my body wasn't working right. I didn't understand what was going on. Like I couldn't hold myself up. And so I tried crawling back to my bedroom to get my husband and I suddenly realized I can't really crawl right either. Something's wrong. And so I got back in bed and told my husband something was wrong. And I call that day the day that everything went wrong because everything just went wrong and we didn't really know what was going on. And so my husband called into work and took the day off. And after a few hours of that morning of trying to feed the baby, because, you know, this is a brand new baby. He was 24 days old at that point. Um, so he needed to eat like every three hours or so um, after like two attempts at that, I because I was seeing double, I couldn't see what I was doing and I couldn't seem to manage to hold him. I didn't really know what was going on, but I couldn't manage to hold him. It just felt like my body wasn't working right. But I didn't really notice that only one side of my body wasn't working right. It just felt like everything just kind of felt like concrete. Like I was trying to move around concrete, but I couldn't really tell what was wrong or what wasn't working. So we called my doctor. She said we should go to the ER, but we had kids and my husband had some meetings he had to participate in. And, you know, I'm a trooper. So I was like, you know, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's fine. We can just go later. It's fine. So I pushed off going to the ER until the late afternoon. As Gloria's condition worsened, her husband drove her to the emergency room. We went to the hospital at four o'clock and in the afternoon. And I remember like my husband put all the kids in the car and then he came back to get me because I couldn't walk. And I finally realized as I was in the closet trying to put on clothes on myself and, you know, sitting on the floor trying to get myself into a shirt and some shorts, I realized that only one side of my body wasn't cooperating properly. Um, my left side wasn't cooperating the way I would expect it to, but my right side seemed to be fine. And my dad has had a stroke before, so I'm aware of the problem with stroke. And so by the time we got to the car, I told my husband, I think we need to prepare ourselves for the worst. I think I'm having a stroke. And he doesn't remember that because he was in the driver's seat and just like focused on getting to the hospital as fast as possible, taking care of the kids and 
So he doesn't remember that, but I remember sitting there thinking, I'm probably having a stroke. Um, I know for sure this isn't vertigo. So when we got to the ER, you sign in, you put in your information, you say what's wrong. But And I've done that before with my kids because they've you know fallen on things and had to get stitches. So I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. And so I just told the guy, I think I'm having a stroke. I don't think I can do this. So he just took me right up to the front counter and they asked me what was wrong. And I said, I think I'm having a stroke. And at that point, I was suddenly surrounded by people and they're listening to me tell my story and explain my symptoms. And they put me in a room, they put me on a bed, they started doing things. And after that, I started going in and out of consciousness. I just, I felt really tired and really sleepy. And so I just started, I just closed my eyes because I felt like, I'm in the hospital. My husband has the kids. At this point, I can turn off. At that point, I was just in and out of consciousness because I just I felt very sleepy. I just felt like I just wanted to sleep all the time, which I heard later from doctors and nurses that that's sort of the body's natural healing mechanism. You just want to sleep. That's what your brain does to recover is it wants to turn off. I have a couple of clear memories. I have a lot of clear memories from that time in the hospital, but the clearest were like the very first chance I got is I, a nurse asked me if I needed anything. And I told her that my baby was three weeks old and I can't breastfeed him. And she is a nurse in a hospital. So she looks at me, she's like, okay, I got it. She came back with an armful of formula and bottles from the mothers and babies wing from the maternity ward. And so once I knew my baby was taken care of after that point, and I think she also brought diapers because we didn't bring anything with us because we just thought, you know, we're going to the emergency room and then everything will be fine. I'll magically get better and this will all be over and then we're going to go home, which of course was not what happened at all. I was in the hospital for six weeks after that. But um Anyway, I just remember that nurse. I told her my baby is three weeks old and I can't feed him and we don't have diapers. And she just went to the maternity part of the hospital, got everything we needed. And after that, I let go. I was like, okay, I'm just going to lay here and let people take care of me. And so I just, at that point, I just went in and out of consciousness. And I was in the emergency room for about 24 hours where they took scans. And another thing I like to make sure people know is that if you're having a cerebellar stroke, it will not show up on a CAT scan. It will only show up on an MRI and you have to get certain angles, which I'm not familiar with, but it has to be an MRI. It has to be very thorough and they have to get certain angles because at one point they thought all I had was a tumor. They didn't know I was having a stroke just because of the way it looked. It's uh, hard to spot. It's very dangerous and you have to use the right equipment the right way to find out what's going on. So for about 24 hours, I was in the ER just getting scan after scan after scan. And uh, then I was in ICU for about a week before I stabilized because I was bleeding into my brain and there was pressure and I had a terrible headache all the time. But thankfully that got under control. Once I was stable, they moved me from the ICU to a regular hospital room and from there to an outpatient acute rehab center. And I was in a rehab hospital for about five weeks. 
So hospital about six weeks altogether and rehab hospital for five weeks. And that's when I began intensive physical therapy and occupational therapy. I did speech therapy at the beginning, but they realized quite early on that I didn't need speech therapy. As you can tell, I can speak clearly. I was lucid. I remembered things. I, I had no problems with memory loss or executive function. And I didn't have problems with speech or swallowing or anything like that. Instead of doing speech therapy, I did extra physical therapy. And I wish I had done more occupational therapy on my hand because I'm left-handed and I am left side affected. And so now I, I can write, but it's incredibly difficult. I, I usually just tell people I, I can't write because even though I can like write a legible message if I have to, it is incredibly difficult. And I, I struggle to keep the pen in my hand. I don't feel like I can write. And I've always considered myself a writer. I've always kept a journal and I feel like I can't write because I can't just jot down a note or grab my journal and, you know, write out my thoughts for the day or the dream I had last night or the recipe that I want to make for dinner tonight. You know, I, I can't do what I used to do before, which is frustrating. So I usually just tell people I can't write. And I wish I'd worked more on that in the rehab hospital, but I did work very, very hard. And so I'm able to sit up, I'm able to walk, I'm, I'm able to move around mostly safely. I uh, lost my balance this morning and <laughs> fell on a pile of Legos, which anyone who's ever played with Legos knows is very unpleasant. <laughs> Coming up, Gloria describes the common symptoms of a cerebellar stroke. Instead of getting like one side of your body not working exactly right or like facial drooping or slurred speech or anything like that or like confused talk, like not being able to speak or just being confused, cerebellar strokes typically present with the three V's, vertigo, violent headache and vomiting all of which I had. And tells us about her Instagram account, how Glow does it. I wanted to be able to show people, this is how I do everything, how I do stroke recovery, how I do being a young stroke survivor, being a young a mom to young children, um, how I parent, how I parent as a stroke survivor, how I cook, how I... I don't know, maybe someday this will be about how I garden. We just moved into a new house with a big backyard, and so I'm hoping to start gardening, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just a wannabe gardener. I don't know, we'll find out. Let's hear more about the specific kind of stroke Gloria had. Really, the stroke started happening a week before it got bad, a week before we talked to any doctors. We just didn't know it was happening, so... One of the reasons I jump at every chance to share my story is because my story was so unusual and it's rare and it'll probably happen almost never to anyone, but to the people who hear my story, to whom it does happen, I'm always thinking, you know, maybe I could help save someone else. So just a few statistics. So what happened to me was a cerebellar stroke. So a blood clot from childbirth 
went up into my cerebellum. It's basically part of the brainstem, also called the pons or the midbrain, all those areas for people who are familiar. But it went up into the cerebellum, which is rather than the cerebrum, which is unusual. And because the cerebellum controls systems like balance, swallowing, proprioception, very intangible, involuntary functions of the body. It's very delicate. And basically, it's usually fatal because the symptoms are not typical. So with a typical stroke, you'll have the facial drooping, you'll notice your arm or leg not working, you'll notice your speech slurring. But uh, if you can tell, I don't really have those problems. I never had any memory problems. I never had any paralysis. I didn't lose any executive function. I can speak fine. I lost fine motor control. That's another thing that the cerebellum does. And we think if we had delayed any longer or if the stroke had been any more severe, I would have lost my ability to swallow. That would have affected my ability to speak. I have uh, involuntary muscle spasms in my soft palate and esophagus called oculopalatal tremor. So I aspirate liquid sometimes. So I have to be careful about that. But cerebellar strokes in the US, less than 2% of all strokes that happen every year, not just like postpartum strokes, but all strokes that happen every year in the US, less than 2% are cerebellar. Cerebellar strokes are fatal, like something crazy, like over 90% of the time, it's like 93 or 97% of the time because they're so often misdiagnosed and they can go from bad to dead almost immediately. So the fact that that didn't happen to me is, well, we're just very grateful. Cerebellar strokes don't present the typical symptoms. So instead of getting like one side of your body not working exactly right or like facial drooping or slurred speech or anything like that or like confused talk, like not being able to speak or just being confused. Cerebellar strokes typically present with the three Vs, vertigo, violent headache, and vomiting, all of which I had. So if I had ever heard that and if I hadn't, been more aware that stroke is a risk of having a baby. It's just a natural risk. Like there's, there's ways you can lower that risk, but just the process of growing a baby inside your body and then pushing it out of your body, like stroke is just one of the things that can happen along with other things, other health risks like eclampsia or hypertension or gestational diabetes. There are just natural risks that go along with it. If someone had just made me aware that this was something I should, you know, be aware of during my pregnancy and postpartum recovery. And if I had ever heard the three V's, who knows, maybe we would have gone to the ER a week earlier. Gloria created an Instagram account to help her reach out to other stroke survivors. I actually started How Glow Does It on Instagram on the day after the one-year anniversary of my stroke. And I did it very intentionally. I thought a lot about the name. 
I knew I wanted an avenue to connect with other stroke survivors because as any stroke survivor will know, particularly young stroke survivors, it is so isolating and the isolation is, it can be devastating. That's almost the hardest part is being, you know, 35 years old, having three young kids and no one you know or even have ever heard of has had this happen to them and no one you know can relate to you or help you because they don't understand what you're going through and they don't even understand why you're going through what you're going through. It's like, this shouldn't have happened. The end. But it did and it happened to me and now I'm alone in this terrible, terrible situation with my family. After the first year, I decided to go to Instagram and I just thought, you know, maybe I'll find a handful of other people who have also had a stroke at a young age and that'll just, you know, get me through. And I just started searching hashtags and I found a few accounts connected with a few people. And I got to give a shout out to Joe So Rocks because probably if you're a stroke survivor and you're on Instagram, you know Joe. He's the co-podcaster of the Neuro Nerds. And he's just a mega advocate for young stroke survivors in particular, all stroke survivors, but especially young stroke survivors because it's so challenging and unexpected and devastating for something like that to happen at a young age. It's terrible to happen at any age, but at a young age in particular, when it's unexpected and it just kind of drops out of the clear blue sky with no warning and no reason, it's, it can feel very cruel and very isolating. I chose the name very intentionally because I wanted, I knew I was going to post about stroke recovery because that's my life now, but I also didn't want stroke and stroke recovery to be my entire life because I'm young and otherwise completely healthy. I have a young family. Like I want my life to be about other things. I want my life to be about my husband, my kids, my family, my interests, my adventures, my other life experiences besides having a stroke. (laughs) So I chose the name How Glow Does It because I wanted to be able to show people This is how I do everything, how I do stroke recovery, how I do being a young stroke survivor, being a young mom to young children, um, how I parent, how I parent as a stroke survivor, how I cook, how I, I don't know, maybe someday this will be about how I garden. We just moved into a new house with a big backyard, and so I'm hoping to start gardening, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just a wannabe gardener. I don't know. We'll find out. Gloria thinks you should always ask for help. I have two major things that I would tell any stroke survivor at any age. Reach out. Actually, this goes for um, family members or loved ones of stroke survivors as well, but especially to stroke survivors. Just reach out. You're not the only one and you need to find other people who have been through what you're going through. Otherwise, surviving is so much harder. And the more you reach out, the more not only support you'll find, but the more help resources. I can't tell you how many times people have seen what I've posted about what I'm struggling with and have sent me like, oh, hey, have you heard about this doctor? Have you heard about this clinic? Have you heard about this 
therapy device. It's so helpful. It's encouraging. It's helpful. It's hopeful. It's all the things. So that's my, one of my big advices is reach out. The other one is, and this is something I've really learned, and this is sort of my mantra, don't compare suffering. What you're going through is incredibly hard. And what other people are going through could also be hard. So don't compare what you're going through to someone who is going through, I don't know, cancer treatment. But also don't compare yourself to someone whose biggest trouble in life is that their kid won't sleep through the night and keeps waking them up at night, you know? Because if you are constantly thinking like, oh, if my biggest problem in life was that my kid wakes me up at night, that would just be, you know, I, I can't believe that person is complaining about such a small thing. It just, it makes you bitter. It poisons relationships. It just makes you hate everyone. It doesn't allow you to validate your own suffering if you compare yourself to people who are suffering things even worse than you. It doesn't allow you to validate your own suffering. Like what I'm going through is really hard. And there are people who are going through things that are even harder. And there are people who are going through things that aren't as hard, but it doesn't help anyone for me to compare because my suffering is still really hard for me. And my friend whose kid wakes her up all night long, that's really hard for her. You know, I, I can't despise her for having such a small trouble in her life. And she shouldn't feel like she's not allowed to complain or let me know what's going on in her life just because I'm going through something harder. So those are my two big advices to survivors, especially reach out and don't compare suffering. And to family members and loved ones and caregivers of stroke survivors, it's kind of the same, but especially reach out, like find other people who are doing the same thing as you. You need community. You need support. It's incredibly hard. It's, it's grueling. It's exhausting. And sometimes it can be very discouraging. And sometimes it is so, so sad. And there's also a special aspect to being a caregiver or family member or loved one. You just, it's easy to fall into the guilt trap. Like, why did it happen to them and not me? You know, it's like survivor guilt, except you're not the survivor technically. So none of that is helpful and it doesn't, it's not necessary. So I, I just encourage everyone on both sides, just surround yourself with support. I've had many moments, I, pretty much every day, I, where I've been just had it shoved in my face, how much I am loved and how much I am surrounded with support. And that has played a huge part in me being able to work as hard as I work and stay motivated and keep going. And through all the ups and downs, the ups of discovering, oh, I can do something that I thought I would never be able to do again or the downs of, you know, facing a mental health crisis because I'm so distressed and depressed about being a stroke survivor. But having that support network, the close friends and family who are there to push and celebrate the triumphs and also keep an eye on and keep me safe through the, the really low valleys. It's just, it makes all the difference in the world. Gloria's stroke couldn't have come at a worse time, but with the help of her husband, 
she's made a remarkable recovery and continues to focus on family, cooking, and her blog, How Glow Does It. Thank you for subscribing to Stroke Stories. Please do rate and comment on the episodes you hear to help us spread the word. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, we'd love to hear from you. Our DMs on Twitter and Instagram are always open. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.